Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Now we're going to read God's Word, Acts chapter 18. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 17 as we come back again to Acts this morning. After being in Athens, Paul left and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word. In other words, he had been occupied only part-time up to then, but Silas and Timothy, perhaps bringing money and gifts, enabled him to work full-time, testifying to the Jews that the Christ... The Messiah they were hoping and waiting for was Jesus. And when the Jews opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people." And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul, brought him before the tribunal saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. Amen. Well, friends, I want today to take one verse from our passage that we've read together and to open this one verse up across the whole passage, if you like, to to try and show why this one verse is the key to everything that is happening here. It's like a golden thread that Luke, the, the author of Acts, has woven through all the events of this story to show us what they all really mean and what's really happening here. It's verse nine. It's why I've called this sermon, Do Not Be Afraid. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. 
And here in these verses, here are some words spoken to the Apostle Paul that are specific just to him. You see the next word, words that follow after? No one will attack you to harm you. Those are words specific just to Paul and just to Corinth. For we know, don't we, in many other places, Paul did come to harm. People did attack him. It's not true for many people the world over. It's not true for many of us that God does not always intervene. God does not always intervene, does he, to stop the bullet and the bomb and the blow to the body. And yet, even where those things fall, even then, and believers die, it is still true, even then, that the Lord Jesus Christ holds us safe in his hand forever. For there are words here that are true for all God's people in every place and at every time. I am with you. Remember Jesus' words just before he returned to heaven. Go and make disciples of all nations and behold, I am with you even to the very end of the age. Friends, what are you afraid of today? What do you fear Here we are today in Aberdeen, back in lockdown. Things had begun to open up and all too soon things have closed again. What is God doing? Most of us have several closed doors facing us just now, don't we? And the sound of doors shutting has brought us grief again. Holiday plans, work plans, hopes and dreams for the future, put on pause and hold again. When doors close, tears flow. And so here is a passage, here is a passage for us today and not just for us in Aberdeen with all of our interruptions and inconveniences to life. God's people the world over, think of what's happened this very past week in Beirut. People across the world suffering in more catastrophic ways than we can begin to imagine. What is God doing? Can God really be at work? Here is a passage that teaches us the providence of God over everyday life. That's one of its lessons. And it teaches us the sovereignty of God in salvation. God rules and God is in charge. That is what this passage shows us. See, those beautiful words of the Heidelberg Catechism that we uh, I read earlier, that we've had already in lockdown at Trinity. We've used them several times, haven't we? You know, if we emerge from lockdown and maybe the only thing that has happened is that we have taken the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10, two question and answers, and burn them deep into our lives, burn them onto our hearts, memorize them. If that were to be the only thing that happened to us in lockdown, God would have done a very great work in our lives. For these are beautiful, precious words. But here's the question I want to ask. Where do words like this come from? Where do words like this arrive from? Why did our forefathers in the faith come up with them? Well, one answer at least, is Acts chapter 18. See, look at the words of the Catechism again. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, all creatures, all creatures, everything and everyone. Really, Lord, you uphold everything and rule everyone? You mean to say that there is no such thing as luck, no such thing as chance, no flukes? Everything. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they can neither move nor be moved. 
What I want us to do today is look together at this as we come back to Acts, as we come to a new stage in the story. Paul has come now to two of the greatest cities in the ancient world, Corinth in Acts chapter 18 and Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Cities famous for their commerce and their wealth. Cities that were proud of their cosmopolitan diversity. Cities that apologised to no one for their flagrant immorality. Their freedom to live how they wanted to live, do what they wanted to do, do what they wanted to do with whoever they wanted to do it with. Two great ancient cities and from Corinth, friends, from here, from Corinth, all the way to today in Aberdeen, I want to encourage you with God's providence. I want to comfort you with it. Here are three things, three things then that I want us to see. Number one, See the hand of God behind us when we are frustrated. I want you to see the hand of God today behind all the events of your life when you are frustrated. Number two, see the presence of God with us when we are afraid. I want you to know the presence of God with you, whatever your fears and terrors today. And then number three, see the choosing of God ahead of us when we are speaking. That third one maybe sounds a little bit odd. We'll we'll, we'll come to it. See the choosing of God ahead of us. God choosing his own people when we are speaking the gospel. That is something God does ahead of us. I want you to notice those words behind, with and ahead. They kind of uh, encapsulate us, don't they? Like a bubble around us, if you like. God's hand is behind us, directing all the affairs of our lives. God hand is, God's hand is with us, right here in our sorrows and terrors of life. And God even goes ahead of us into the places we haven't yet been. Here is a chapter, friends, that teaches us that God's hold of us is greater, more encompassing, stronger, more wonderful than maybe we've ever believed before. God's hand is with us in every single step of our lives. I want to show you this. Number one, see the hand of God behind you when you are frustrated. Now, it's easy to forget this, but what what has the book of Acts been showing us? It has been showing us, hasn't it? Do you remember Acts chapter 16? Showing us the Holy Spirit closing some doors and opening others, and we have little control over doors that are closed and doors that are open. Paul, trying to take the gospel, the Holy Spirit would not, would not allow him to enter. Door closed. And even places that the door opens, Paul goes in, and what does he do as he shares the gospel? What happens? Opposition, hatred, revulsion, physical harm and beatings. Exactly what happens here in verse 6. They opposed and reviled him. Opportunity gone and he has to move on. What I want to do here is encourage you with a lovely closed door in one place that leads to an open door in another place and fruitfulness growing for the gospel. Very easy to miss it here. Verse 1, after this, chapter 18, verse 1, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy With his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now, just stop and pause and think about this. For Paul to land in Corinth and to end up with good friends there, people who became good friends and partners in ministry, Priscilla and Aquila. 
who he could stay with and who he could work with, verse 3. Who could provide the base for his mission work, verse 4. For all of that to happen in Corinth, what had to happen first? Did you notice verse 2? Way across the map in Italy, the Emperor Claudius had to raise his hand, issue a royal edict and expel all Jews from Rome. Do you see it? A closed door in Rome. And Aquila and Priscilla, probably out of the blue, have to pack their bags. And that closed door in Rome, what does it lead to? An open door in Corinth. Paul arrives in Corinth and he just happens to find this Jewish couple, these Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus, Priscilla and Aquila. A a coincidence? Luck? What would the world call it? A million in one chance of finding like-minded people? What does the Bible call it? Providence. God's fatherly hand. I mean, just think about that phrase in verse 2 commanded all Jews to leave Rome, commanded them to leave. We have been, at the minute, in Aberdeen at least, and and many other places around the world, we have been commanded to stay. And it is awful, isn't it? No more travel than five miles, five mile limit. You must stay. Holiday plans cancelled. Prospects for the future all altered, all paths and roads seeming to hit blind alleys and dead ends, and it is frustrating and awful and interrupting. How much worse, friends, to be commanded to leave. Commanded to leave. At least we are locked down at home. Many of us with family, with friends nearby, with all that we need around us to survive. Can you imagine the opposite, being told, pack your bags and go effectively flee for your lives. You are no longer welcome here. You now become an immigrant, a refugee, an exile, a foreigner. Oh, the heartbreak and the agony as Priscilla and Aquila say goodbye to family and friends and all the questions filling their minds. What on earth is God doing? How can any good come from this? Look, friends, the book of Acts is simply saying to us, maybe this man Claudius, on his high horse and his mighty hand raised high. Maybe this man Claudius is actually only this big and not really in charge of the world. Maybe Jesus rules the world and gets his people where he wants them to be. Here is Paul in Corinth now meeting these two people, Priscilla and Aquila. Where does Paul want to get to ultimately? What's his goal? Rome. His destination point is Rome. He wants to take the gospel into the heart of the beast, right into Rome itself. And here are two people from Rome in front of him. Wow, you're from Rome. Tell me about it. What, what's it like? Who should I speak to when I get there? Where should I go? What will be most effective and strategic for the gospel? And a Roman emperor's casual flick of his wrist, be gone, you Jewish people, you scum of the earth, leave my city. And as he flicks his wrist, God is moving his hand behind the scenes, placing people where he wants them so that people will hear the gospel and come to know the Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters today, here is the thing. Aquila and Priscilla can see none of this. None of it, can they? In their tears as they settle in a new city, alone and unknown, their first night in a strange place. Why has God brought us here? 
And friends, in our world right now, where coronavirus has shown us we are not in control and we are frustrated, deeply frustrated, do you believe, friends, do you know that even here, God's fatherly hand is behind it all, even as we are so bewildered? Like David Livingstone, who tried to go to China, but God sent him to Africa instead. William Carey, who hoped to go to the South Sea Islands and ended up in India. All of that took decades, took generations before anybody could see what God was doing. Ah, that painful closed door, wasn't it wonderful? Thank God for that closed door. That can take decades before anybody utters words like that. Maybe even not said in our lifetime, but in the lifetime of those who follow. God's hand is behind all that is happening to you. Now that is very easy to believe, isn't it? When everything is good, when there's a new job, a a spouse, job prospects are great, everything around us is rosy and flowering and everything we touch is turning to gold and coming to life. It is so much harder to believe that when we cannot see, cannot see what God is doing. Some of you I know are right there in that pit of perplexity, scratching your head. How much more of this, Lord? How much more can I take? This is why we get to see here this great couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Friends, in your pain today, in your relocation of your plans, do not pass over them and what they show you. They could not see what God was doing. And one day a man called Paul knocked on their door and the gospel took root in a whole new city. 1 and 2 Corinthians, the letters that you and I cherish today in our Bibles that nourish us and help us in so many different areas, all flow from the growth of this church in Corinth. I want to encourage you today, friends, to trust God with what you cannot see and what only he can see. I want to encourage you to bring your frustrations to him. Your, 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 your unanswered questions, your anger, your sorrow, Speak them out loud to God. Providence, you see, means that God is writing the tapestry of our lives. If you ever pick up a tapestry and look at the back of it, what do you see? It's pretty ugly, isn't it? All threads crisscrossing, a bit of a a a mishmash, threads hanging off, not seeming to be connected. And we cannot see what is taking place on the front. We cannot see what God is doing. Not until the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. That's the first thing to see, friends, the hand of God behind us when we are frustrated. Number two, the presence of God with you when you are afraid. The presence of God with you when you are afraid. See, God has brought Paul here, hasn't he? He's rearranged Priscilla and Aquila to be here in Corinth. He's brought Paul here to speak the gospel and to suffer for speaking the gospel. It's interesting, isn't it? Verses 5 and 6. Everything seems to be so going so well. He's been part-time. Silas and Timothy arrive. He can go full-time. And the moment Paul gives himself full-time to gospel work, what happens? Verse 6, they opposed and reviled him. 
This opposition grows so that the Jews who are so upset take their case all the way through the law courts to verse 12 and 13. They want Paul's gospel to be declared illegal. The Jews made a united attack on Paul, brought him before the tribunal saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. People tend to get very upset today, don't they, at the prospect of Christian faith becoming illegal. Maybe that will happen. Certain bills trying to make their way uh, to Parliament, aren't there? The Scottish uh, Hate Crime Act and bills like that. Maybe things like that will cause God's people tremendous difficulty. But friends, that is not new. None of it is new. Don't forget here from Acts chapter 18, the gospel has always been something that people have tried to declare illegal, out of bounds, not safe, not ethical, not diverse enough, not rich enough in equality. Too confrontational, too full of sin and repentance. A saviour who died for sin. I don't want anyone to die for me. I'll pay my own way. When that happens and opposition grows and the very faith we cherish, when it comes to our doorstep and the threat of what we believe becomes illegal, how do you stand? How do you get steel in your backbone and courage in your weak knees? Where does it come from? It comes from here, friends, from the words of the Lord Jesus to Paul. Words that are true for us. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I am with you. The Lord Jesus who holds all the authority of heaven and earth in his hands, he is with us. Who is Gallio? A proconsul. Oh, he probably went to the best law school, didn't he? You can imagine his study with all those magnificent top first class certificates in law lining his study walls, beautiful crests of the emblems of the places where he studied, all on his walls. You want me to be afraid of that? That authority when the Jesus I know and love rules heaven and earth and holds all authority has been given to him by his father? Claudius, the emperor, the man at the very top of the food chain, you want me to be scared of him? When behind his every move stands the Lord Jesus calling the shots so that even pagan emperors do his bidding and grow his gospel without realizing they're doing it. It's just like when the Lord Jesus was born. A census. The Roman emperor trying to control, control people that he's oppressing, the, the lands he's invaded. I'll control them so I can tax them, get their names, get everything written down. You come here to me. And all of it so that the Savior would be born in just the place that God said he would be born. A true king, a servant king, coming in the night while men on thrones in marbled halls think they rule the world. God just pushes them off the stage of world history. You carry on over there. I'll take care of what's really happening in the world. Friends, let me ask you again, what are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? There is nothing that comes to you, nothing that comes to you outside God's fatherly hand and his loving care and rule. Whatever it is, Jesus is with you. You know, boys and girls who are watching this today, our young people uh, in truth, 
the coronavirus has been a really scary time, hasn't it? Scary for many people, lots of different ways. Life is so different. School was interrupted. You're hoping to get back to it. Things are about to restart again. Maybe you are fearful and worried about the future. Maybe it's a new school with lots of unknowns and uh, so many things that you don't yet know what they're going to be like. Can you hear what the Lord Jesus is saying to you? He is with you. Do you know that feeling that you get when mum and dad are there in the night? Everything is fearful, black, dark, you can't see, you wonder if you're alone and you call for them or reach for them and they're there. You feel their hand and the strength of the strength of their hand and the the familiarity and comfort of their presence. That is what the Lord Jesus is like for you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're worried about, Jesus is with you. We all need to know this, don't we? God is not just behind everything that's happening, directing the course of our lives, but he is with us in those events, right here beside you, with you. And here's the third thing we need to know. Paul is speaking the gospel, isn't he? Telling others about the Lord Jesus with tremendous opposition and hatred. So here's the the third thing to see. Number three, see the choosing of God ahead of us when we are speaking. See the choosing of God ahead of us when we're speaking. Now, I know that sounds a little odd. What I mean is is here from verse 10. Here is why the Lord Jesus is telling Paul not to be afraid. In this hostile city of Corinth, as he's about to be threatened with criminality as a lawbreaker, don't be afraid, Paul, because I have in this city many who are my people. I have many in this city who are my people. Amazing words. And what this means is that, if you like, as Paul lands in Corinth to share the gospel, God is saying to him, I got there ahead of you, Paul. Way before you, I got there ahead of you in my sovereign choosing and election. I put my name on him and him and her and her and her and him and him so that I have many people already in this city. I've chosen them to be my people and they just don't know it yet. Paul is going to share the gospel with them and they're going to come to faith. God's choosing, his sovereign election has gone ahead of Paul. Paul can speak the gospel with confidence because people here are God's. Now, maybe this is new to you to think of election like this. I suspect if it's new, you have a hundred questions forming in your mind. But I want to encourage you to see that this is what the Bible teaches. I want you just to look back at Acts chapter 13. Turn back to Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. We, we, we touched on this briefly as we came to this passage before. And when the Gentiles heard this, in other words, when they heard the gospel, people like you and me, not Jewish people, hearing the gospel for the first time, when they heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. It's so important that we read those words in that verse in the right order. See, look at it again. I think we'd be tempted to say, wouldn't we? If I was writing it, we'd be tempted to say, and as many believed were appointed to eternal life. Those who believed were therefore appointed to eternal life. If you believe, you're chosen. But it's not what the text says, is it? Those who are chosen come to believe. 
those who were appointed to eternal life, come to believe. It's exactly what is happening in Acts chapter 18. Now, now let me just say, if this is new to you, I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't I, in a church email, the sad loss of J.I. Packer, Jim Packer. He was a wonderful, wonderful churchman and theologian. He helped the church so much, not just by what he wrote and taught over the years, but by the way that he wrote it and taught it, his humility and gentleness. And he wrote many years ago this wonderful book, a really old book. You can see I've got an old copy of it, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. And here's what it's about. How do we reconcile God's sovereignty, okay, God's choosing, man's responsibility, people are responsible for whether they choose to believe or reject the gospel, how do we reconcile God being sovereign, humankind being responsible, but our evangelistic duty to share the gospel with them? How do we put all of that together? Exactly what we see happening in Acts chapter 18. And I want to encourage you, maybe if you haven't read anything by Jim Packer, let, let this be the go-to book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. You'll get a much nicer version. If you go to our website, go to uh, media, go to read, and you'll see a link to our online bookstore, you can pick up this book there. What Jim Packer says is that where God sends the gospel, there he has his people. Where God sends the gospel, there he has his people. And all of this here, you see in Acts chapter 18, do you notice all of this is here to encourage Paul and to strengthen him. Why can we go on speaking in a tribunal and before the law courts of the land and in the face of so much hostility? If that was you, if that was me, why should we not be afraid? Why do it? Answer, because God has many people in this city. As we speak, so people will believe and come to faith. You know, our our building in the city centre in Queen Street, our new building that requires all this work, a massive space and it needs massive money, massive work, massive time, a big vision. Somebody said to me a while ago, looking at the whole thing that we laid out in front of them, somebody said to me, aren't you scared? Aren't, aren't you daunted by all of this? Look, look at the size of it. Look at the newness of it to us landing in this part of the city. What's it going to be like? Aren't you daunted? And friends, here is where the rubber hits the road. Why on earth take on a project like this? Why bother with it? Answer, because in this city, God has many people. Many people who are his, but who haven't yet heard the gospel and who will come to faith as we speak. We saw this before, didn't we, in Acts chapter 16. Friends, faithfulness is our job. Faithfulness is our job. Simply be faithful. Sow the word of the gospel. Throw it out to people. And the results department is God's business. God takes care of how people respond. And those who have their hearts opened by him are his business. We speak and share. God turns on the light so that he and he alone and Christ get all the glory and praise. I want to encourage you, friends, today, as we spend these days in lockdown, God is with us. He's with you. He has not surrendered control to an invisible virus. He is working his sovereign purposes out in the world. In this particular time of world history, maybe it will be decades before we understand why. Maybe we will never this side of eternity know why. But we can trust him, can't we? 
for he is with us. He is good. He is kind. He is generous. He is wise. He holds the reins of the universe in his hand. hands. He knows exactly what he is doing at every step, at every turn. The world is his and we are his. Place your hand in his today. And whatever it is you're facing, whatever you're fearful of, whatever you're wondering about, whatever you're hoping for, trust him. Trust him even when you cannot see the way ahead. For he is with you. So do not be afraid. Amen.